Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Scumbags! Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Rage all you want. God, I hate losing. That sucked. This is Sports Rage. I am Maranci. You know, when you get used to winning, that's a good thing. It's sort of like teams, right? Winning teams get used to winning. They don't like losing. It is what it is. You know, we, we've been on a roll. You know what got us was, um, I'm going to be honest, I would have won money tonight. This is the thing when you bet bigger units. It's such a big swing. I had a big play on the Wisconsin game to go over the number. I had over 114. Imagine, at one point, the in-game total was 140 and a half. (laughs) 140 and a half. It was a slam dunk. It was 26 and a half points over what the the total was. I think they had like 80 points in the first half. Like, like how this game stayed under, that really is. I'm going to say it's a bad beat. Well... If you have over 114 and it lands at um, it lands at 110, and one team doesn't score for the last nine minutes and 57 seconds, then that's pretty like you want to talk about a long plane ride home. Like if you're Wisconsin, I don't. I wouldn't even get on the plane. You're in Vegas anyways. I just say you guys going out without me. I'm going out to get lit up here. <laughs> we just blew a 14 point lead and somehow managed to lose this game, man. But um, it's all good. It's all good. You know what I mean? You, you lay it down. You're not going to win every day. We'll get it back tomorrow. And we got baseball coming up, which that's the only thing. Like, I got to be honest. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll get it back tomorrow. You go back and forth. I didn't really love the card tonight. And, you know, it could have been worse. Like I said, I won the Utah Valley game side and total. But, um, and the Raptors won. We're closer to that. Uh, we got a big play on the Raptors over 39 and a half. Like $5,200, which is um, it's a big play. Right? Like, obviously, the winning, you know, we're talking about like 10 dimes coming back here. We're two wins away right now. They have six games to go. We should be able to get here. Yet, you know, you don't take, you know, you, you, the NBA is whacked. Thing is, the Raptors play the Charlotte Hornets twice. In Charlotte, back-to-back. Ideally, they nail this down and just get it over with. Boom, boom, beat Charlotte twice, get to 40. And and honestly, 
maybe you guys can somehow get into the sixth, you know what I mean, sixth or seventh place. Brooklyn are fading. Brooklyn are hanging on for dear life right now to that sixth seed. But does it really matter? Like Brooklyn are like, hey, whatever. They're a ghost of what they were. They had such a good record, so they had this sort of insurance, and they padded it, but it's gone now. The Miami Heat are not a good basketball team. They're falling apart at the wrong time of the year. If the Raptors could just keep this going and start, like the thing is the Raptors play, the uh, they play the Boston Celtics twice in Boston, and they play the Milwaukee Bucks to end the year. And they play the Sixers. So, like, it's a murderer's road to end the season. But those teams might just rest everybody and probably will. The Late Night Anger Management Class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Moranzi. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between. Let's do this thing. Countdown to first pitch is on. You want some baseball talk? You want some baseball futures? Well, we're going to get dialed in right now. Step up and in into the batter's box, but be quick. You've got eight seconds. This is the quickest 180 minutes in sports talk radio. I am Gabriel Moranci, Sports Rage, Sports Grid Radio Network, Series 6M Channel 159. Shouts all of our AM radio affiliates wherever you may be. The Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, the 50,000 watt juggernaut. Trent Rush will join us. We'll talk some Angels baseball. He hosts the uh, post-game show on the Angels Radio Network. Also the play-by-play voice of the UC Irvine and Eaters. So we'll get his thoughts on the Final Four. We'll talk Angels baseball, of course. Trout versus Otani. was actually one week ago tonight. It's amazing how quickly time goes, isn't it? It doesn't feel like, uh, it's like, really, that was a week ago? It is. So we're less than 40 hours away. For the record, Otani is on the hill on Thursday. The Angels are in Oaktown to take on the Oakland Athletics. Angels, minus 250 favorites. If you're looking to get a head start on this, I don't listen. You don't lay if you're going to bet favorites in Major League Baseball, lay them on the run line or put them in parlays. And if you're going to put them in parlays, make sure they're plus money parlays. I don't have a problem if you're going to play some favorite parlays, but if they end up as plus money, and then you know you take two or three of them in the end of the night and you end up winning money. And where we're going with this is give me San Diego with Snell on the hill. And their season openers, they host the Colorado Rockies and the Los Angeles Angels in Oakland with Otani. And you parlay San Diego and Los Angeles slash California. I think the California Angels is the coolest name they've had. The Anaheim, listen, Anaheim kind of stuck as, you know, Anaheim Angels and had a ring to it. You know, and you got the Anaheim Ducks. The Los Angeles thing, you know, the, you know the, to me, they're the California Angels. I like that CA. Like that, you know, they, 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 they're the old school logo. But nevertheless, Steve Merrill will step up and then we'll talk some Major League Baseball futures. So San Diego and the Halos, plus 107. See, it's plus money. And I'm telling you this right now because, you know, we'll watch. It will not be plus 107 by the time first pitch comes on Thursday. People are going to start to, you know, hammer and slam Otani and the Halos. Steve Merrill joins us next. This is Sports Rage. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Tuesday continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Moranzi, Sirius XM Channel 159 on the Sports Grid Radio Networks. ProSportsInfo.com, WagerTalk.com. Steve Merrill steps up and in and joins us as he always does on the Twisted Tuesday. Steve, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to be with us tonight. How you doing, Steve? Doing well, man. Looking forward to the baseball season. I mean, we've I know you and I have talked about the rule changes, and they are a little bizarre. But I think from a handicapping perspective, uh, there might be some value to make with them. Well, you know what? That's It's interesting that you say that. Um, are there going to be more overs? Is that what you're looking at? I mean, look, the stolen bases, uh, there's going to be more stolen bases. You know, there should be more hits now that they've banned the shift. Are you expecting higher scoring games this year? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what they want. There's The main reason is to increase the fan enjoyment watching of the games, right? Last The last couple of years have been the longest baseball games in history, over three hours on average. And then the fans like runs, you know, I mean, some of us appreciate a good pitching duel, but most people like to see scoring. So I think there's no question that they're trying to speed the game up and they're trying to add scoring, both of which, you know, for fan interest for TV. Um, With that said, though, I don't know if you just blindly play the overs. I think it'll probably be adjusted in the lines. What I'm looking more forward to doing, I've started doing it this week with the futures plays, is to find some play on teams that are going to benefit from the rule changes. And you're exactly right, Gabe. The biggest thing that jumped out to me is there's going to be an increase in stolen bases. I think that's a certainty. Uh, they've they've done these in the minors. They've done it in spring training. The bigger bases not only lead to more steals because more guys are safe. It's a shorter base path, basically, is what it is. But also, um, the other rule that's kind of gone under the radar is that pitchers can only step off the rubber twice per plate appearance. And yeah. to, to make a pickoff move, you know, a lot of novices probably don't realize this, but I, I know because I coach and whatnot, you have to disengage from the rubber to pick, make a pickoff move. So you basically can only throw over to first twice during an entire plate appearance. The third time, if you do it, you got to get the guy or it's a bulk. Um, so that's going to, you know, make it easier to lead off and make it easier for guys to run. Steve Merrill uh, joining us. Something that I'm intrigued by, Steve, is the WBC was so intense. It was playoff atmosphere and playoff style baseball, championship baseball, that the guys that participated in the WBC should have a head start on guys that were playing Cactus League and Grapefruit League uh, baseball games and playing golf um, all day, right? I mean, you know, look at Otani, a good example. Otani was just throwing 102 facing Mike Trout with a world championship on the line. Now he gets the Oakland Athletics. I wouldn't want to be the Oakland Athletics on Thursday, Steve. 
Well, it's funny. That's good for my Angels futures play. I mentioned this earlier on Wager Talk TV. We did our first baseball show today, and one of the futures I used was Angels over 81 and a half season wins. But I also said, you know, I like them at five to one to win the division, maybe a sprinkle at 50 to one to win the World Series. Um, you know, I always look for reasons to play unders in general, but you can also look for overs. And the Angels, I think, could be a play on team. Uh, the two best players in baseball over the last five or six years, depending on which year you were talking about, you know, have been said to be Trout and Otani. They're on the same damn lineup. And like you just said, Otani looks like he has a little bit of a head start. Um, so I think that's a good sign for the Angels. And uh, some of those teams will jump out fast out of the gate. The Angels are interesting, right? Otani's a free agent. So we'll see how it plays out. They need to get off to a hot start. It's going to come down to pitching. So you like you like the Angels uh, to go over. You know, you said you like to bet unders generally. And last year, Steve, I got burnt betting under 76 and a half of the Cleveland Guardians. Now, listen, I don't think the freaking Cleveland Guardians thought they were going to be as good as they were. But their division was bad. A lot of things went their way. And look, Tristan McKenzie's already injured before the season starts. So I find you and I often talk, Steve, about like the luck index and luck factor with teams, whether it be it turnovers in football. We, you know, we discussed and debated the the luck index when it comes to basketball and college basketball, but there is something to it in baseball, right? You know what I mean? Like sometimes you'll see a team, Steve, one year, they'll win every game by one run. Everything goes their way. And then the next year they lose every game by one run. Everybody gets hurt. It's the way sports goes. I think everything really fell in the place for Cleveland last year. And what a big like jump, Steve, from 76 and a half to 86 and a half this year. So if I lose two years in a row betting against the Cleveland freaking Guardians, God bless them, and I won't do it again, but I'm going under 86 and a half, Steve. I think they over-adjusted too much. Yeah, I mean, in general, what I like to do with season win totals, like you said, we, we always want to lean towards the under in any sport just because, you know, injuries and stuff can help you more than they're going to hurt you, but... The, the Angels are actually the opposite situation because Trout's been hurt a lot recently, you know, so I think there's actually some upside with They're the injuries. They're due for injury luck, non-injury luck, that team, actually. Correct. <laughs> and and I think the other side of the coin, like Cleveland's a good example. You kind of do want to look for a regression for a team that overachieves. You want to see, is there a reason why they might regress? And this is a team that won 28 games by one run last year. Uh, they won 92 games, you know, so say half of those they had lost, that'd be 14 less wins. That would take them down to 78 um, so I think there's definitely reason to believe Cleveland could regress. And one other thing I want to mention about the changes this year, you know, we're talking about rules, but as you and I know, Gabe, and a lot of people might not realize the uh, first time in history of baseball that every team will play every team from both leagues at some point, which means there's less divisional games. Um, you know, so once again, like in the West, for example, the Angels will have to play the Astros and Mariners, an improved Rangers team, uh, one or two series less each, which I think helps some divisions more than others. Yeah, I agree with you right there, Steve. It's a great point. As for that, and that, that's where win totals come into play. I think it helps the teams in the American League East, right? The Yankees, Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Rays, who just beat the crap out of each other all the time. It's just, you know, six less times they're going to have to see each other. I think that helps. And I think it helps as well in the National League West, right? You know, I know the Giants lineup isn't, you know, you look at the Giants, but the Giants have always given the Dodgers problems. We know about the rivalry. San Diego are stacked. Uh, right now, Stan, you know, so I think San Diego are going to rack up W's and I think the Dodgers are going to rack up W's, you know, we'll, we'll get to them in, in a minute, but, and it's funny, Steve, you talk about the angels. We actually have the, uh, the host of the angels post game show coming on after you, Trent rush. He's also the play by play voice at the UC uh, Irvine and eaters uh, as well. So um, we're going to do a lot of angel uh, baseball talk tonight, but if you look at a team, Steve, that's ready to break out, I think it's the Toronto blue Jays. This team last year, dude, they won 92 games last year. They fired their manager. 
right? Like, so they were dissatisfied. They were spinning their wheels for mostly half, you know, the halfway part of the season. Vladimir Guerrero struggled out of the gate last year. Bo Bichette struggled, even though he ended up leading the league in hits and he racked it up and all that. And when it was all said and done, they didn't have a great year last year. Kikuchi wasn't good. They had injuries to their pitching staff. As I stated, they made a managerial change, sort of a cultural change mid-season. And, you know, you look at this year, this rotation, Steve, is as good as anybody's. This lineup is as good as anybody's. Like, if you look at the Toronto Blue Jays on paper, you could argue they're the best team on paper in baseball, Steve. And their win total is 91 and a half. They got to do what they did last year. And, oh, yeah, by the way, they used to overly celebrate, Steve, you know, with their home run jacket and celebrations and sunflower seed showers and making it rain and all this. They they voted as a team not to do that stuff anymore. They're going to celebrate, but they're not going to do design, you know what I mean, like the turnover stuff and, you know, the turnover chains and all that crap, Steve. To me, it's a sign of maturity, and they said, hey, Donnie Baseball here, you know, Don Manley, they're just they're, they're all business in spring training so far. I think the Blue Jays are poised to go over 91 and a half, Steve, and I think they can win this division, actually, and beat the Yankees. Yeah, the scheduling, obviously, like you said, the NL East and the uh, AL East are two uh, divisions. Obviously, they'll benefit from playing less divisional opponents. But real yeah, quick, yeah, the back. NL East too. You're right, but they'll yeah, end up back. playing each other too, though, right? That's so that's the irony because the Mets and Yankees play each other. But anyways, go on, yeah. Well, well, they always did though. You know, they keep yeah. the same. Like, yeah, and there will be a couple extra games for them. They do keep the local rivals will play like an extra set, basically. So like Yankees, uh, Mets every year will play each other like two more this times. This is actually fair, Steve, because in the old days, no one ever wanted to hear the Yankees bitching. Uh, and stuff, but certain teams with their natural rivals got right. an easier deal than others, Steve. It's just the way that it worked out. Now it's more balanced that you play everybody. Right. And, and, you know, obviously the Mets and especially the Yankees are usually good every year. So it works against them in general, but there's always going to be randomness. Like the Orioles and Phillies usually always play each other. You know, obviously the Orioles have been down in recent years. But your years. Nationals is a good example. Like when you're well, yeah, good, they're battling with the right. Mets. The Mets are playing the Yankees and the Nats. Hey, we get Baltimore this weekend. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And a couple of years ago, you know, that was tough for Baltimore. Now Baltimore's the tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the other way terrible. around. So I, I, it will even out, but um, getting back real quick to the Guardians, you know, the, that's a perfect example of playing less divisional game is going to hurt somebody because the AL Central, Cleveland was the only team above 500 last year. The Guardians were only four games above 500 against all non-division opponents. They were 18 games above 500 in the wow. Central. There that's how is, they yeah. finished 22 games up. So I like where you're going with that Cleveland under for a few reasons there. Um, Blue Hold Jays. on, Steve. We'll hit this on the other side. I like the White Sox in that division. I think the White Sox are to be greatly improved. They had a lot of bad luck and help. And oh, yeah, Tony LaRusso sucks. More with Steve Merrill on the other side. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. 
VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This is Sports Rage, the Twisted Tuesday, Sirius XM, Channel 159 on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates, wherever you may be. We're talking baseball. Time's just flying by. That's why we call it the quickest 180 minutes in sports talk radio. We've got Trent Rush stepping up and in. We'll talk more Angel baseball. Steve likes the Angels. Win total to go over 81 and a half. And uh, Steve, as we were going into the break, you talked about the Guardians and how they feasted on a bad division last year. And then we were, um, you want to comment on the Toronto Blue Jays situation. What's your take on the Jays? Yeah, I mean, the Jays will benefit, obviously, from West AL East opponents. Um, and also, one thing I like about Toronto that you didn't mention was that, you know, they've been kind of a uh, nomad team the last few years, right, with COVID and Buffalo and Florida not having, you know, a true home stadium until halfway through, what, last year or the year before. Um, you talk about the managerial change. Yeah, more you do stability. feel like this will be the first full season with everything in place. So they, they should be pretty tough. Yeah, and another thing, actually, we should bring up when talking about the Blue Jays, they they're they renovated their stadium like massively so massive renovations the outfield's going to look completely different with like you know restaurants and bars and decks and patios and all that type of stuff but they moved the fences in immensely steve right like this place should be a freaking launching pad it already gave up the third most home runs in baseball as it was right <laughs> so it's going to be a launching pad which that's one thing i don't get when they want shorter games well you know, a lot of these games are going to end up being like 10-9 and stuff like that. Right. Um, let's talk some National League teams. Uh, who else are you looking at, Steve? So you said you like the Angels over. What else are you looking at with some futures? Yeah, I'll tell you the one I like probably the best of all that I mentioned today when I was doing the baseball show at wagertalk.com is in the NL East is the um, Miami Marlins over about 75 and a half. Uh, and, and the more I like it, the more I look at it, there's more things that pop out. I didn't even mention this. I'm going to give you an exclusive here, Gabe, on your show. I didn't mention this as one of the reasons earlier today. But look, with the shift, another new rule, you can't shift anymore. You have to have two players on each side of the infield before the pitch is thrown. I guess you could quickly run over to the other side afterwards. But the shift greatly hurt left-handed hitters last year. That's who they really hurt because those guys pulled the ball more and they made more outs. So teams that are left-handed hitters should do better. Now, you can't just necessarily you know, look at the Marlins and say that's the case. But what jumps out to me about the Marlins last year they were 18 and 20 against left-handed starters, two games below 500. They were 51 and 73, 22 games below 500 against right-handed starters. Now you normally would have lefties hitting when righties are pitching. So that record should get a lot better without the shift this year. And I didn't even mention that earlier today. So that's something I'm saying out loud in public for the first time, but there, there's some other reasons I like the Marlins as well. First of all, the weaker schedule now, not having to play all those NL East teams quite as often. And also talk about one run games. They lost 40 games last year by one run. They went 69 and 93, really kind of tanked at the end there. You know, even if half of those games had been wins, 20 of the 40 losses, they would have been at 89 wins. And you don't have to get to 75 and a half. So I really like the Marlins over. Um, also, they led the league in stolen bases, second overall in baseball, and they were thrown out the most in all of baseball. So that tells you quite simply, they like to run. And once again, the bigger bases, less throwovers, no doubt there's going to be more steals this year. And the Marlins might benefit more than any team in baseball from that. 
I like where you're going with that, uh, Steve. I think they are going to be very aggressive. I think they're, you're right with the Marlins. I like Don Mattingly, but Don Mattingly is a little old school. And I think the Marlins now, Steve, their organization are 100 million percent analytics. And the modern analytics, as you stated, they're built for this almost, this modern game uh, right now. And I recall, I remember from last year, and you and I talking about this, Steve, last year, the Florida Marlins as well, they had amongst like the worst luck of hard hit balls, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Like if we look at hard hit balls at people, and as you stated, and that you could that that that's part of the shift actually. So that that takes into the shift. So it's a great point that you raise that they're gonna and plus they had a ton of injuries as well. They were another team that were just sort of plagued, and everyone sort of knew around the Marlins that it was end the end of Donnie. You know what I mean? Like they fired all the scouts like last year, Steve. Like she's replaced everybody. Right, like yeah, you knew, all right, it was the last piece, and everybody sort of knew. But I like where you're going with that. I do think the Marlins are going to be a fun and aggressive team. And, you know, my team, Steve, actually, I read a fascinating story, and it was very, very analytical, very great, great piece. I think it was, it was on SI.com about how no team benefited more from the shift defensively, Steve, than the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. That Friedman goes back to Tampa, right? Him and Madden, and they've always loved it, and – They've been ahead of the curve, and they put so much science and data into where the balls are going to be placed, and now they can't do it. He was asked about it, and he said, yeah, well, we'll see, right? You know, like he almost took offense to it, like his defense isn't going to be as good anymore. It is going to be a little bit challenging, but there could be an extra couple of balls to get through. You're right. There's a lot of new dynamic to this stuff, and God knows what's going to happen. Everyone loves these new rules, Steve. That is until – Somebody loses a big bet when uh, a batter's not in the box within eight seconds. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be you know there's a lot of discretion for the umpires and uh, yeah the new rule is obviously uh, if you don't get the pitch off or whatever it's a ball if the uh, batter doesn't get back in soon enough it's a strike against them. Um, as I mentioned, if you throw over you know a third time it's a balk. Um, but there's also discretion for the umpires, so it'll be very interesting to see um, how much they enforce this. But yeah, the clock is pretty cut and dry, right? You got to be in by eight seconds and it's got to be pitched with hit zero, you know, and there's not a lot of leeway. It's basically a shot clock. I'm looking at some division numbers here. We've been talking about them and you know, it's funny because I like the blue Jays at plus plus one seventy five, and it actually went up to plus 200. So you're getting plus 200 in the American league, at least with the Jays, the white Sox numbers, Steve, I think the white Sox are a live team this year. I like their win total to go over the number. You know, Detroit are okay, but they're not great or anything. Kansas City are going to, you know, they are who they are. I don't think Cleveland are going to be as good as they were. And Minnesota as well, I think, have sort of peaked a couple of years ago. I think the White Sox have the players. If they stay healthy, they can go over their win total at 82.5. But I think they're in play here at plus 300 in this division. And I'll tell you what, that National League West, Steve, that's going to be a battle, a heavyweight battle, man, between L.A. and San Diego, man. Yeah, and there's some people I've talked to that like the Diamondbacks over like that 75 win, whatever yes, they're yes. at right now. Um, yeah. They won 74 games last year. They were just 38 net runs down. They were 77 and 85. And they get a speed, Steve. They got right. the rookie of the year candidate, right? Corbin Carroll. This guy's a burner, man. Correct. And um, they were 18 games below 500 against their division. And they finished uh, 74 wins still. So there again, they should benefit from less NL West opponents. Um, I'll throw you out one that we haven't mentioned in the American League also like is uh, Texas. Over 81 and a half or so is where their total is. They only won 68 games last year, lost 94. Yep. They got to Grom, though. And this is a team that should have been a lot better than 68 wins. Just look at it, expect it. One loss, which is your run differential. 
They were only negative 36 on the season. They should have won 77 games based on that alone. And then once again, the one-run games is where the difference was. Uh, they lost 35 games. They were 13-35 and 35 in one-run games. So, you know, once again, if you just cut that in half, that's an extra 17 wins. That gets you to 85 already with a better lineup this year. And uh, Tony Finn today, uh, if you have him on this week, uh, he likes Seager as a long-shot MVP candidate. And the stat he gave, I believe, you could ask Tony, was I think Seager had more outs into the shift than any player or something like that. Um, so another team I think that will benefit from the new rule changes. Tony Finn will actually be on later as well. We've got a lot of Ask him about Seager. I believe that's who we were talking about. He was on the show with me today. Listen, Jake DeGrom stays healthy. I think they can definitely go over that uh, win total. They're a dangerous team. Um, last year we saw that they put runs on the board. They had bad baseball luck, a lot of one-run losses, as Steve just alluded to. I think the Rangers are going to be in the mix and be a fun team uh, this year. All right, uh, Steve, we got about uh, two, three minutes uh, left here. Well, improbable Final Four, huh? <laughs> you and I, we always talk about defense this and defense versus offense and you know, they always say defense wins championships. And I've always said, well, you need to score to get to the championship first. But defense has been, you know, pretty paramount in this NCAA tournament. But holy crap, Florida Atlantic or San Diego State are going to be in a national championship game. Yeah, I mean, it, and we've seen that before. You know, Butler made it back-to-back -back years as well, like an eight seed that one year. But they never end up winning it. North Carolina makes it last year as an eight seed. They blow a 16-point lead in the first half and lose by three. Um, you know, so we'll see how it plays out, but you're right. Three teams remaining, Connecticut, three, Miami, five, Florida Atlantic, 24th in offense, Florida, San Diego state, 74th. They're the team that's winning with defense. They're the fourth best. They're the best defense remaining the worst offense. Uh, we'll see if they can ugly it up again against Florida Atlantic. They'll have to obviously, uh, to win that game. UConn looks like the team to beat, but Miami of Florida, man, Joe Ranieri had a great stat. I have to give him credit. Miami, the last three years with Laranega. Nine and two as a dog this year, twenty and five the last two years, thirty-three and twelve the last three years as an underdog. I've cast I cast with them on Sunday in that role. Uh man, what a great job Larinaga's done over his career. He took Mason there exactly seventeen years ago to the date on Sunday the when date, he takes yeah. Miami. You know, he's now seven and one against the spread in his last eight tournament games. Yeah, he he's a hell of a coach. And their play you know what what's what's about he's a he's a great coach, but with Miami the their player, Steve. Every game, someone else can step up. It's very impressive, right? Like, you know what I mean? The Jordan Miller kid can step up. Isaiah Wong can step up. Like, it can be different guys for them. It's almost too bad, isn't it, that Miami and UConn play each other, right? Because, you know what I mean? The way, that, the way that it works out, it's tough. It's a tough matchup for Miami, but if you can't take anything for granted if you're UConn. But I got to tell you what, Steve, man, UConn look damn good. They just look like the best team in the tournament. Oh, no question. And, and that's priced. And in fact, even before their win against Gonzaga gave, they'd already jumped to number one in the Ken Palms before the Elite Eight. They'd already passed Houston, UCLA, and Alabama after Friday night. Um, and they were one of only three teams coming into the Sweet 16. They were top 15 offense defense. Remember, we talked about Houston, Texas, who had a double-digit yeah. lead. Don't forget against Miami. It looked like they were going to win as well. Um, by the way, I did the math yesterday on the college show. Uh, Ranieri asked me real quick when we were doing the uh, Wager Talk show, should you take a minus 125 future or money line parlay? Um, five and a half point favorite, say minus 240 right now. They're going to be in that range anywhere from like, you know, minus 240 to minus 280 maybe in the next game. Um, so I make the math anywhere from even money to minus 110 at worst if you money line parlay. So if you do like UConn, you're better off rolling it over on each game. Yeah, you know what? There's FanDuel has the exact matchups up. UConn to beat San Diego State is plus 230. So there's, there's you know, there's certain ways to sort of attack it. But I'll tell you what, Steve, I've got a piece of UConn at 22 to 1 to cut nice. down the nets and I'm liking my position right now 
Uh, we're close, but I don't take anything for granted in sports betting or in, in this world. <laughs> Steve, always a pleasure, my man. We'll catch up with you later in the week uh, on TV, and we'll do we'll, we'll get a final uh, crack at the final four. Great stuff, Steve. Always a pleasure, my man. Awesome. We'll talk Friday. Thanks, Steve. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Sports Rigs Late Night continues. I am Gabriel Moranzi, Sirius XM Channel 159 on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates, wherever you may be this evening. Countdown to first pitch is on. We're still fired up. Coming off a awesome WBC. Let's talk Angels uh, baseball uh, right now uh, with a man that's uh, the the host of the Angels uh, postgame show and also the play-by-play voice of the UC Irvine and Eaters. Trent Rush steps up. And then, Trent, it's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Let's go. Let's talk some baseball. I'm ready. Opening day right around the corner, literally. This is awesome. So let me ask you, man, how difficult was it for Angel Nation, Angels fans, uh, and people such as yourselves to see Otani versus Trout? It was super cool, but I couldn't help but uh, think of the Simpsons when um, Bart played Lisa in hockey. (laughs) And here's like a a penalty shot to decide the championship, and he didn't shoot. He decided to hug her instead, except Otani decided to strike Trout out. It was an epic baseball moment, but it had to be kind of tough for Angel fans. I'll tell you that uh, that little analogy right there is one that Mike Sosha would appreciate. Big Simpsons guy. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Uh, look, I, I think that there's a lot of mixed emotions, right? Because you're watching Shohei Otani and he's dominant, and we all know how great he is. Meanwhile, Mike Trout is Mr. Angel, the long-term contract with the Halos, been the face of the organization for a long time, three-time MVP, captain of Team USA. I think uh, most fans probably wanted to see Mike come through in that situation, but I think most fans also realize when Shohei Otani's pumping in at 102, and that slider was as good as we have ever seen from Otani, the one where he struck out Mike Trout, I get the sense that, I mean, 
Shohei was going to make sure that he got Trout out in that scenario. And when Otani is looking like that, there's no hitter that's going to be able to to respond to what Otani was able to do. It almost reminded me a little bit uh, in 2008 when Kobe was up for Team USA going against Spain and Pau Gasol. First play of the game, Kobe just ran right through Pau trying to get through a screen. It almost kind of felt like that where there was some eye of the tiger stuff going on when you were looking at Shohei Otani. He just was able to find a different level. And he even said later, you know, to get out what he says, the best player in the world, to, to get Mike Trout out, he had to find another gear, and he did. And, boy, that was pretty impressive. And Shohei Tani will be on the Hill Thursday as the Angels open up their season in Oakland with a three-game set, and then they're off to Seattle. I guess it's good news, bad news in a sense. You open up with six straight games on the road, but you also get six road games out of the way, and it's an opportunity to rack up a couple of early season wins before you get home and, uh, and host the Blue Jays. Yeah, you better take care of business against Oakland. They're not going to be very good this year. Uh, their opening day starter, his name's escaping me right now, but I know he's pitched. He's a left-hander that's thrown in 19 career major league games. He's the opening day starter for the Yeah, Muller. So, yes, exactly. So this is going to be a situation. The, the Angels got to find a way uh, to, to dominate in that Oakland series. You know that Seattle is going to be tough. Every game against the Mariners is going to be elevated because these two could be fighting for maybe the last playoff spot come end of September, early October. So those are all really important games. You know, just you know, one of the things we do covering the Angels, you know, we're looking at everything, right? And the first two and a half months of the season, the Angels have a lot of East Coast, back to the West Coast, right back to the East Coast kind of schedules, not a whole lot of off days. So really the first two and a half months are tough. It definitely lightens up come July, but – the Angels are going to have to be able to maintain a, a good level and be in good position going into July uh, to hopefully be buyers at the deadline and maybe get a piece to put them over the top. I think that this Angels lineup uh, is really good. The Angels rotation is really good. The bullpen has questions. And do the Angels, you know, if they're in position, do they make a move to add a true closer at the trade deadline? That could be in play. It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. But right now, I think uh, there's a lot of optimism with this Angels ball club. And I, I feel like watching the World Baseball Classic, the two biggest stars the WBC, being Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, I think those guys are together, healthy. Rendon is healthy. The pitching rotation is as good as it's been in many, many years. That's all what's exciting Angels fans right now. We're in conversation with Trent Rush. I am Gabriel Redsey, Sirius XM Channel 159 on the Sports Grid Radio Networks. And I'm excited to see the guys that played in the WBC at such a high level to see them come just explode out of the gate and we'll see if that happens. But I'm also old school, Trent, and I believe that that a win in March was, I used to say April, but now it's March. <laughs> but a win in March, a win in April is every bit as important as a win in September. I've always believed that. Every game matters the same, and you want, as you stated, and let's be real, if there's a team that everybody has their eye on and that there's pressure on to start off the season well, I mean, Mike Trout himself said it when speaking about Otani. And you and I can't speak without bringing up the Otani situation. How critical is it that this team? I mean, there's so many, there's so many 
questions right now and unanswered questions, but one narrative that the Angels can dictate is win baseball games early, and we know that uh, Mr. Marino is staying. He's keeping the team right now. That brings a level of stability. I do believe that he wants to win. He's always wanted to win, but how important, let's just be real, you talked about the schedule lighting up. How critical are these first two months of the season? It's going to be really, really important. It sets the tone, right? Because if the Angels don't play well, then the Angels could be forced into a situation where maybe they would have to move Otani at the deadline, which is obviously the worst-case scenario for the Halos. I mean, well, I mean, hey, worst-case scenario is they're not a playoff team and Otani walks. That's the worst-case scenario. But if they are not uh, in position at the trade deadline to uh, be where it looks like they're just not going to be competitive in the division, then they're going to be forced to have no choice but to try to trade Shohei Otani at a much reduced value than what you maybe would have gotten a year ago. Um, That would obviously not be an ideal situation. I'll tell you this. I talked to Shohei after uh, his spring start in a minor league game down in the backfield of Tempe Diablo Stadium a couple of days ago. And one thing Shohei said was, you know, he was asked if the World Baseball Classic had any impact on his decision if he would want to keep testing free agency or or how he was going to pursue the offseason. And he says it made no impact. He goes, my focus right now is to win and win with the Angels. Personally, I think Otani likes it here. I think Otani also likes winning. And as long as the Angels can be winners, and I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's get to the playoffs. I don't know if that's contend for a championship. I don't know if that just means 162 play, 162 meaningful games. I don't know what win means, but I do know that Otani's a competitor. He wants a chance to win a championship. And if he could do it with the Angels, I think he's going to stay. If he feels like he can't, then he may end up making the move to go. And it's just a tough place the Angels find themselves in right now. You know the Angels are going to spend. No matter what, Otani's going to be the highest-paid player of all time. And I get the sense that Otani, the money is important, but the money is secondary to being in a situation, uh, in a place that he wants to be. And that would be a comfortable spot, A, and winning you know, 1A. I think those are equally important to Otani, and the money comes after that. You know, I don't know him, but my feeling and my sense is he's not the type of player that's thinking, you know, I'm going to, I want to join the Yankees. I want to join a superpower. I think you're right. I think if, I think he wants to win with the Angels. I think he wants to win with the Angels. I don't think he's a title chaser, basically, right? I don't I don't really see that in him. But at the same point in time, he also has to be realistic, right? And I got to tell you, man, if the Angels didn't have bad luck, they wouldn't have had any uh, luck at all when it's come to injuries, especially last year. I remember you and I were talking, and they were rolling early. And then literally, like a week later, just everybody started getting injured. Already, there's been some some injuries before the season started already, too. Hasn't there been right now? Yeah, there's injuries, for sure, to, to players that didn't produce the Angels offensively last year and Jared Walsh and Max Stassi, and those are important pieces. You want to get those guys back for sure, but the Angels brought in Hunter Renfro. They brought in Brandon Drury. They brought in Gio yeah. Urshela. They have added pieces to where they're going to be much better positioned to withstand injuries than they have in, in the last decade. The one thing, too, this team's only going to go as far as the health of Otani, Trout, and Rendon. All three of those guys need to stay healthy. There's going to be fringe players that are going to be meaningful, and depth to the, the lineup absolutely is a big deal. You're going to go as far as your stars can take you. Mike Trout missed oh, six weeks last season. Anthony Rendon missed four and a half months 
that can't happen if the Angels are going to be contenders. Those guys have to stay healthy. And, you know, the, the ancillary pieces to fill out the, the roster, they're important too. But I, I just, you know, there was a stat that came out about players that played or batters, number of at-bats for players that were at or below league average for wins above replacement. And the Angels had the second fewest at-bats of players uh, that were uh, above replacement level, meaning that you had a bunch of guys that didn't belong in the major leagues that were playing for the Angels last year because of the injuries. Even the backups for the Angels, there's enough depth in the organization now. They can withstand injuries. You have major leaguers that are be in AAA, which is something the Angels haven't had in a long time. Very different approach to this offseason for the Halos, but ultimately it boils down to Trout, Otani, Rendon, staying healthy in the rotation, doing what they did a year ago when they were top 10 in baseball. Trent, we'll get you out of here with some basketball uh, talk. Final question. We've got about um, we've got about two minutes on the way out here. So, you know, the most improbable of all final fours, basically of our lifetime. And in fact, you know, I was born in 1970, and 1970 was the last time, Trent, that three of the four participants in the final four had never been there before. And that was a whacked out one, like Jackson, you know, Jackson University, Jacksonville University, New Mexico State, St. Bonaventure. So, but this one just as whack. Like, listen, you do UC Irvine basketball, you know about the parity across the game with with COVID, players staying longer, NIL, transfer portals. There's a lot of reasons why basketball is the way that it is right now at the collegiate level. But come on, man, Florida Atlantic versus San Diego State, winner going uh, to the title. Don't Tell me you had that in your bracket, Trent. <laughs> it was it was insane. How about this? You'll appreciate this. I'm sitting at the airport at, in Phoenix, getting ready to fly home back to Orange County two nights ago, and this woman came up to me and she goes, "You look like somebody that, that knows something about sports." I said, "Yeah." Uh, <laughs> she goes, "She goes, do you happen to know uh, about this this Florida something team F something U? Uh, they were playing, I don't know, Michigan or Minnesota." I said, "Yeah, they were playing Kansas State." She goes, "How'd they do?" I said, "They won." She started crying. She, she obviously knew nothing about sports, but she was, she was so happy in that moment. She says, I've never done this well on a bracket in my life. She, I wow. mean, clearly, <laughs> however, however she decided to put a bracket together, just filling it out, it goes to show you, this tournament's beautiful for so many reasons. It doesn't matter how much or how little you know about basketball. It's fun. It's fun to be a part of it. Sure, okay, everybody's brackets are on fire at this point. That was the case after one day of the tournament. The one thing I'll say about the teams in the Final Four, all very good coaches that are exploiting some of the issues we're seeing in college basketball now. Teams have become so reliant on the three ball. It's created some streaky play. And I, I know that there's some teams in here that shoot the three, like San Diego State defends the three ball so well. That's why they were so good all year long. It's why I'm not overly surprised they're having a great tournament run. You know, I, I expected them to be in the Sweet 16. I didn't think they'd be in the Final Four. But teams that defend the three um, are, are going to go a long way in an era where everything is threes nowadays. And if you can stop that, you can win basketball games. And I think Brian Dutcher. Uh, San Diego State has just outsmarted a lot of teams he's played against. 
I got to tell you what, you're exactly right. Alabama goes three for 27 from behind the arc, and then Creighton follows it up with a two for 17. That's not lucky. That's not fluky. That's not the other teams having cold nights. That's the San Diego State Aztec defense that only surrenders six threes a game in today's day and age. Trent, it's always a pleasure talking sports. You do know sports, so the lady was right. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Let's do this thing. Hope springs eternal, Trent. Let's go. I love it. Thanks for having me. See SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. with Trent Rush and Steve Merrill. I got to tell you, uh, there's a lot of uh, Angels talk on the program in the last uh, hour, and a lot of Angels love uh, Steve Merrill. Said he liked the uh, the Angels over their win total. And uh, now Trent Rush, uh, pretty optimistic about the Angels coming into the season. And I'd like to see the Angels do well. I'm a Dodger fan, but I don't hate the Angels. It's not like the Yankees and the Mets. It's not like the same type of... Do you remember the White Sox and Cubs? I remember, like, uh, in the old days, even Raider fan who were crazy in Los Angeles. I used to go to the games at the um, at the at the Coliseum, and um, and Raider fan would be watching Ram games in the parking lot and stuff, like before when they were on the East Coast and and like pulling for them. It wasn't like oh, I hate the Rams, right? Times have changed now. We're in this sort of modern. Everybody's got to be like on. Everything's so polarizing now. But I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Angels, uh, and um, I like to see them do well. I don't want to see Otani like you know. What I mean, it's not like oh yeah, I'm gonna laugh. Oh, Otani's leaving them or anything like that. But I don't share the same optimism as everybody about this team coming into the year. To me, it is what it is. They are who they are. Their pitching just is not, point blank, their pitching isn't good enough. And baseball is a weird sport in that you would figure, hey, you got two of the best players in the league on the same team. It doesn't matter, right? Baseball is about the little things. It's about depth. It's about your bullpen. It's, I mean, bullpen is a big thing. It's, it's pretty much the biggest thing. 
People don't talk about who has the best bullpen. But the fact is, starters only pitch like five innings now. So every damn game is decided by the bullpens. The Angels are good, but I'm not ready to say that they're going to you know, be a plus 500 team. This is Sports Rage. Bring it. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 